1: Welcome, everyone, to episode 42 of the Writer's Block podcast. I am your host, Brandon Laurie, and alongside me, as always, the lovely Ms. Jess Navarez. You could follow us on Twitter at at Brandon is right, and that is W R I T E, and at Jess Navarres underscore. Uh, we're actually recording this episode a little bit in advance, so if stuff happens over the weekend, you won't be getting any new news from us, but that's totally fine because we wanted to do something a little special for you guys with the offseason, of course, being such a drag. We wanted to spice it up a little bit, and really, like a topic of consternation for the Cowboys fans this offseason has been, of course, who's going to play left guard. But another question has also been, how is the offense going to run with Mike McCarthy taking over? What is it going to look like for Dak Prescott? So to answer that question, we have none other than Matt Hamilton, who you can follow on Twitter at, at MattHamilton25. And Matt is actually, you've probably have seen him before. Uh, he is a producer and analyst for Up and Adams with Kay Adams on FanDuel TV. And of course, Kay Adams is formerly of Good Morning Football. And he is actually the host as well of The Breakdown with former Cowboys quarterback Matt Castle uh, on the KC Kansas City Sports Network. So, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today and talk everything Dallas Cowboys.
2: Oh, Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited to be here. And uh, I even forgot Matt Castle played for the Cowboys. There (laughs) you go. He played for so many teams back then.
3: Yeah, we could not go without mentioning Matt Castle. Just any time we have kind of a Cowboys alum, you got a name drop there. So Cowboys fans are going to love that uh, you have that connection there. But let's jump right into it because there's been a lot of offensive coaching changes, just coaching changes in general uh, across the Cowboys during this offseason, but let's go down the offensive changes. You had, of course, offensive coordinator from Kellen Moore, now to Brian Schottenheimer, uh, O-line coach Joe Philbin to now Mike Solari. You have just the quarterbacks coach even, Doug Nesmere to Scott Tolzian, and then the running backs coach. This one is a little shocking to me over the offseason. No longer seeing Skip Pete to Jeff Blasco, but with all of these changes, do you see this Is an advantage for the Cowboys where it's really going to beef up the offense or do you see it as a bit of a step back because that is a lot of really important key roles within your offense but a lot of changes good or bad where are you weighing that
2: I mean it's really to be determined and I hate to give I I don't want to give a wishy-washy answer here but but we have to see what this offense looks like because we hear Mike McCarthy is going to be calling the plays going to be calling the shots uh, but how much how much influence does Brian Schottenheimer have on things as well? That's what I'm kind of interested to see, what that marriage looks like. Uh, because we know McCarthy from his time in Green Bay, uh, that West Coast offense, a lot of passing, um, not as much of an emphasis on the run game, which is kind of um, you know the antithesis of what the Cowboys' identity has been when they've been successful. But you look at Schottenheimer uh, with what he did with the Jets, with what he did in Seattle – all of it is was really built off of the run game first. Um, and you look at what he was able to get out of Russell Wilson. Those are some of Russell's best years statistically uh, when things were kind of built off of the run game. So um, I wonder kind of how that's all going to shake out with those two guys um, having such prominent roles in calling this offense.
1: And you brought up Mike McCarthy and his time in Green Bay and really a big reason why people have some sort of confidence that Prescott's numbers, specifically last year in the interceptions, will go down is this more conservative west coast style of offense of course prescott led the league in interceptions with 15 in just 12 games but i don't think that that is exactly who he is as a quarterback i think it might have been a case of circumstance coming back from injury trying to get communication ironed out with a lot of the guys he's not used to playing with so for you, can you just talk a little bit surface level, maybe a cliff notes version of what the West Coast offense is for fans who might not know, and what could that look like with regards to helping Prescott not only get his numbers down but actually make him improve as a player entering year eight for him in his career?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of emphasis on on timing with that West Coast offense, getting the ball out quickly, um, and that's Again, when we've seen Dak at his best, that's what he's been able to do. Um, And also, you know, again, going back to being able to play off of the run game, I think that's something that Dak has done really, really well in his career, too. Um, But, yeah, so I think with that West Coast offense, you know, those rhythm throws, those timing throws, uh, I think we'll see Dak get back to more, a little bit more of that. Um, I'm also interested in seeing how this new receiving core, this new look receiving core helps them out Uh, because I think they missed Amari Cooper, I think more than they anticipated. Um, And I think they missed having that deep threat element to this passing game because Michael Gallup coming off those injuries, he, he wasn't the same guy. I think you look at, Dak's best game I think that he played in my opinion that he played last year was that Eagles game yeah. and that's when they were able to squeeze those, la- those last little um, ounces out of T.Y. Hilton's uh, ability as a deep threat having that guy that can stretch the defense is so important and they have that again now in Brandon Cooks uh, I think that was a huge addition for them because as good as CD is he's not he's not a separator he's not as much of a deep threat um, so Adding that element into the offense um, it is going to be big because I think we I think we all saw at this point that Dan Orlovsky breakdown that he did that was fantastic. Yeah. On Dak and he brought up afterwards um, that Dak was throwing a lot of targets that didn't have much separation, and I don't know that that was as much a symptom of Dak making bad reads as much as it was guys weren't getting open, and he had to you know he had to throw the ball somewhere. So um, I think adding a Brandon Cooks could be a game changer for this group.
3: And Brandon Cook's speed, not to be messed with. Yeah. Holy cow, that guy is yeah. like the flash. Um, no, what I wanted to ask you, too, was when you look at the Cowboys' coaching history, and more recently it was Jason Garrett and then you enter the Mike McCarthy era, what do you think Mike McCarthy has done for this team that maybe the Cowboys haven't really seen since Even before the Jason Garrett era, where do you see Mike McCarthy really having improved this team? And especially, uh, you know, you go into terms with his relationship with the front office and what he's able to do, how he delegates, the culture he's creating. How do you feel like he needs to prove himself this year, especially making all of these coaching changes and doing everything he's doing? Where do you feel like he needs to prove himself and kind of solidify that he has his job for the following season? Yeah, and that's
2: where it's interesting with McCarthy because I think the Cowboys just always have a different level of expectation on them and, and not getting to that NFC title game and and going on 30 years now is something that's weighing so heavily on ownership and that fan base. But um, you can't ignore the fact that McCarthy's gotten them to the playoffs, had two really successful seasons in back-to-back years. And I think there's just a there's an air of stability there right now that I think um, – you know, wasn't, hasn't been there at times with this organization. And uh, I think also just who he brought in with him, bringing Dan Quinn with him was massive. Uh, he's he's proven to be one of the best defensive coordinators in this league. Um, and the way he was able to get the most out of his personnel with that defense was huge. So, um, you know, they say a lot of times as a head coach, you're only as good as your staff. And I think he did a tremendous job getting a lot of the right pieces in there especially defensively obviously as you mentioned Jess, a lot of turnover offensively we'll see how that kind of shakes out but um but yeah i think you have to give mike mccarthy credit for what he's done in dallas because again while the standard is is astronomical um i think he's the first head coach that's made back-to-back playoff appearances in dallas um in over 20 years so yeah. Uh, that has to be appreciated for sure
3: yeah definitely do you feel like he's the kind of coach that just doesn't get enough credit because he's the head coach (laughs) of the Dallas Cowboys or do you feel like at times maybe the criticism is fair I mean where do you feel like because me personally I feel like Mike McCarthy gets so much scrutiny and he deserves more credit for what he's done with this team
2: yeah absolutely and I think uh, I think some of it goes back to the way things ended with aaron Rodgers uh in green bay you know it was it was an ugly ending and there were all those stories that came out about mccarthy and you know maybe not putting in the work that he should have been things like that um and i think you just look at the way that these seasons have ended and some of the decisions that were made some of the the, the play calls that ended each of these last two seasons were were not good and i think that's kind of the lasting memory that most fans of the national football league have of this Dallas Cowboys team is, are those two plays. And, uh, it's, it's a tough, it's a hard thing to get that taste out of your mouth. I think as a fan, um, you know, as a fan of the Cowboys, but also just fans of football in general, uh, that that's what sticks with you. So, um, you know, it can, it can, it's fair to criticize those plays. Don't get me wrong, but it can be a little unfair sometimes to coaches that it's like one or two moments that can overwrite all the good that you've done.
1: It's it's funny because you you brought up the moment of Zeke being the center for the Cowboys as like the last play, and that's sort of it's the last play for him as a Cowboy. I mean, we'll see what happens if he does come back, but that's something that you know still sticks in my brain. And the Cowboys have moved on from Elliott; they're going with Tony Pollard uh, to be their lead back this year. Of course, he's coming back from injury, but it's sort of this transition where the Cowboys have always been the franchise that pay the running back. You know, it's always been whatever guy that they have, they're their guy for the for the long haul. But when you look at a model, even with the Kansas City Chiefs that you cover closely, like they went with Isaiah Pacheco, who I went to Rutgers alma mater. Go, go, are you? You know, for him, he was a seventh round pick and came in and absolutely dominated, especially in the Super Bowl when it mattered most. So. The Cowboys are kind of following this model now where maybe they're just going to have Tony Pollard stay on the franchise tag one year, go with Deuce Vaughn and whoever else they want to draft next year. Is this sort of the trend that you're seeing a little bit more in the NFL and could it benefit the Cowboys, especially with other financial decisions that they have to make?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's tough to move on from a guy like Zeke Elliott, but when you look at their cap situation, it was something that they had to do and, and Pollard is a fantastic talent. Um... And, you know, you've just seen the value of the running back position right now. It's not what it was. Um, Having Pollard on that franchise tag for a year, I think it definitely benefits the Cowboys. And I have to tell you guys, too, Brees Hall came in and did a camp. I coach high school football in New York, still at New Rochelle High School. He came in and did a camp with our kids, and we were just talking a little bit. And he was, he was talking a lot about – I wasn't interrogating him. He was there for a camp for the kids, but he just, we were having a conversation, and uh, we were talking about the running back position and this running back class. And he said, you know what? He's like, I think the league really messed up by letting the Cowboys get deuce on where they did. Wow. And, is really really high. I think uh, he didn't come out and quite say it's his favorite running back in this class, but he made it pretty clear that that Deuce Vaughn is up there. So, just a little a little info from there from uh, a guy who saw him quite often in the Big 12.
3: <laughs> I love that. And you know, when you see Deuce Vaughn, it's it's talked about a lot his size, how it's such a disadvantage, but you watch him in person and you watch what he does to how to how he combats his size it's absolutely incredible. So all the kudos, all the flowers to do spawn because yeah, he's somebody I'm definitely keeping an eye on come training camp here in the next couple of weeks, that running back room competition. That's going to be fun to watch. Um, I did want to talk to you about just the Cowboys offense in general. What do you think uh, the toughest position group is right now with the Cowboys? Because you look at the tight end room, it's young, doesn't really have a veteran, the potentials there talk about the running back room again, semi-young tony pollard that veteran but you you saw how much the cowboys thrived off of that one two punch where do you see the cowboys strength being within their offense right now if it is their their infinity stone if you will what is it of the dallas cowboys
2: yeah i think uh, you know it, it is tough to kind of pinpoint that right now because there is so much transition going on there and and pretty much all of these position groups, I think, right now. Um, but I think this wide receiver group now will be a strength with the addition of Brandon Cooks. I think, it, you know, as I said before, I think that matters a lot. Um, that tight end position is going to be something that needs to be figured out. I think, you know, we've seen Dak throughout his career. That's that's a security blanket, whether it was Dalton Schultz, whether it was Witten. Um, he loves having that tight end that he can go to in a tough spot. So I think that's something that's going to be interesting to see work itself out. Um, and also, you know, this offensive line, as you mentioned off the top, uh, is some issues, some question marks there. But I, I do, I do think they have a talented group up front. And again, as we know with these, with the Cowboys, it's kind of been their identity has been, you know, when they've been good, it's because they've been good in the trenches, and I think that matters. Um, that matters more than anything with the way they're structured right now. And I think we will see this group. Um, I think we will see this group succeed. I think they do have a lot of talent there. It's just a matter of where the pieces fit.
3: And you brought up the Cowboys tight end room. I I am no <laughs> gatekeeper here. That is my favorite position group right now. They're so young, rejuvenating, mm-hmm. full of energy, not just for the room as a whole, but their entire offense, even their coaching staff. Linda Wells talks so highly of his tight end room right now. But um, let's talk about that because both – Uh, Jake and Peyton were just able to do incredible things as rookies. You're talking Jake Ferguson, who had 19 receptions for 174 yards, two touchdowns. Peyton Hendershot, 11 receptions, 103 yards, two touchdowns. Again, from an undrafted guy, pretty good stuff there. Uh, But what do you expect from both of them? Because like you mentioned, Dalton Schultz no longer in the picture. He's now with the Texans. But also, Luke Schoonmaker enters the chat beefs up yeah. that competition a little bit where do you see them really utilizing these tight ends and who do you if you had to pick one right now given we haven't seen oh, anything from training camp <laughs> who is tight end one come week one of the cowboy season if you had uh, to guess right now
2: yeah that's that's a tough question because i think um i mean i think the cowboys feel good about what they have in that room um given that they were willing to let Dalton Schultz walk, willing to let him get away. I think that speaks volumes um, to how they feel about this, how they feel about these guys. But uh, as you said, I love some of the moments that Peyton Hendershot had as a rookie. I think I'd give Ferguson a little bit of an edge right now, just, uh, you know, over a Schoonmaker, over a Hendershot, um, you know, Having a year in this system gives him a little bit of an edge over Schoonmaker. Um, I think, you know, not that you let this be the be-all, end-all, but just the fact that they, they drafted him in the fourth round. I think, he, you know, you kind of give priority, give that guy a little bit of an edge going into camp over an undrafted guy like Hendershot. So I think I would, I would give him the edge right now.
1: And one of the things we've been talking about the offense, the sort of the bar has been raised given offseason acquisitions. Of course, Stephon Gilmore was added along with Brandon cooks. The Cowboys brought a lot of their own guys back, but one thing that they really took a chance on last year, you mentioned letting Amari Cooper go letting C.D. Lamb kind of have all this runway to grow into a number one wide receiver, and it took a little bit. In the beginning of the season, there were a little bit of struggles. The drop in in against the Giants in New York uh, last season kind of stuck out, but then really once the Odell Beckham talks started happening that's where he really took off he kind of took the ball and ran with it and so what do you see from cd lamb last year in his growth and when you look at the numbers i mean he really is become more of a top seven top five maybe wide receiver in the nfl what have you seen from him in his development not only from year one to now but where he could be this season
2: yeah, I think I think the thing that really stood out to me is he's become a better route runner uh, because we know he's not he doesn't have that elite top end speed right to create separation. Um, so you really have to be detail oriented in your route running. I think that's something he didn't really have coming out of college. We know he can make phenomenal catches, um, that you put the ball anywhere near him and he'll come down with it. Uh, but when you're now the sole focus of opposing defenses, you don't have that Amari Cooper, um, you know, drawing attention and and the ability to get one-on-one matchups, you have to find ways to get open. And I think, um, you know, that's something he had to learn the hard way a little bit last year, as he said. Um, and I think we've seen him, I think that's where I've seen the biggest growth from him is that route running.
3: And another topic of conversation this offseason is the Cowboys' offensive line. What is it going to look like? we do we know no do they know right now probably not Uh, there's a lot of different combinations they can really go with here but it's such an interesting concept when you look at the cowboys o-line overall and what they were able to do last season with jason peters specifically having him be such a versatile guy the goat jason peters we love him uh and we wish him the best we hope his pillow is always cold uh because he did so much for the cowboys it's it is look a hot pillow not the move no um and especially what he helped do for tyler smith's growth in general with the cowboys line we're talking if everybody's healthy i think everybody's in agreement. it looks like tyron smith left tackle tyler smith left guard tyler Biotish center right guard obviously zach martin do i have to say that one and then right tackle terrence Steele. Mm-hmm. but How do you think we talk about the second year jump all the time? How do you think that Tyler Smith can make that jump with essentially maybe having to move back to left tackle at some point, right tackle? We don't know. How do you think uh, Tyler Smith specifically can take his second year jump if he's having to move kind of space to space, position to position?
2: Yeah, and I think I think that's the biggest determining factor uh, for how he's able to grow. If he's able to just say focus on that left guard spot, and he knows that's where he's going to be playing, that's where they're going to keep him, and he can kind of you know just focus in on on that is on his technique there, on the playbook there. Um, you know, I think that will be be a huge factor for him. If he is having to jump around a lot, while well, that's it's a huge advantage that you have a guy that can do that, and I think that was you know a big selling point on, on them drafting him was his versatility. Um, But it does, it can hamper a guy's development a little bit and, and his ability to learn, um, but, uh, that being said, I am a huge fan of Tyler Smith. I loved him coming out. I love the mean streak that he had that he showed at Tulsa, just absolutely burying guys on film, play after play, um, and his intelligence too. Uh, we got the chance to speak to him on good morning football before the draft. And he's like, I hate to use this cliche term, but like student of the game, like he knows his history of the game. Um, you could tell he just, he loves football. Um, and he's just fully invested fully devoted uh, to being the best player he can be so when you have uh his athleticism combined with um his intelligence and that mentality that's a guy that's going to be successful in this league for a really long time
0: vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience
3: And I'm so glad you're giving Tyler Smith these kudos because a lot of people don't get to talk to him and actually listen to what he has to say and dive deep into his football mind. It is incredible and it's genius. But what gets me about Tyler Smith is he's so gentle and soft-spoken when you're just speaking (laughs) to him, you know, regularly. And then you see what a monster he's on the field and it's like, what the heck? Where did that come from? Um, No, Tyler Smith, absolutely incredible. But one of the biggest questions is, You know, with all of these different, I guess, versions of the Cowboys offensive line, Brandon and I talked about this last week, and I would just love to get your opinion on it. I told Brandon there's versatility, or there's continuity, rather, within versatility. Do you feel like what you're seeing from the Cowboys offensive line being able to switch up as much as they are? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? There's no right answer. Brandon and I dive way deep into (laughs) this, uh, probably a little (laughs) too deep into it last year, but where do you stand with that? Do you feel like are you on team? There needs to be one set offensive line or team. I'm okay with having versatility to that extent. Like we saw with the Cowboys last year because of injury.
2: I think it's, it's an advantage that you have that versatility when you need it when there are injuries. But I think ideally you want that continuity. You want the that that chemistry to develop with guys playing the same spot for the entire year. I think I, I think it's incredibly valuable to be able to have that continuity. So um, I hope that's not a cop out answer. But I I think <laughs> if they're able to keep those five guys in those same five positions all year long, it's going to benefit them hugely in the long run
1: it was a great point when jess and i were talking about we said from the top we're like listen offensive line is not sexy to talk about by any means but when we got into it we got really passionate and emotional because again it's, it's the most important thing with the cowboys when you think about the cowboys and their history you brought it up at the top like They have been known to have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, and it's been a little hit or miss over the years because of injuries and people moving in and out of the line. But you brought up this idea of of versatility, people who can kind of do a little bit of everything. And one thing that we talked about pre-show is something that you wanted to mention which is Micah Parsons at being defensive end but he moves all over the place for Dan Quinn and his defense specifically about him you know going into his which is insane that it's only his third season uh, I mean the guy not only is going to get paid but he's going to be in the NFL for a long time with you know trophy and accolade after accolade but with him being the centerpiece of Dan Quinn's defense what does that mean for this year but also the defense in general what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I thought it was interesting when we heard, um, you know, we've heard this offseason that he's going to be primarily an edge rusher this year. Uh, And I do think that that's the right move. I thought coming out, um, coming into the draft, that was where I really struggled with him because these teams that were, uh, sorry, we have uh, kittens entering the (laughs) Totally fine.
3: I love it. I love it. You know, we welcome everybody on this podcast, kittens (laughs) included.
2: (laughs) Um. But, yeah, I think uh, entering the draft, that's where I struggled with him because these teams that viewed him as a traditional off-ball linebacker, you know, I didn't love him in that role because I thought, you know, the instincts, the play diagnosis, that type of stuff, um, I didn't really see that from him the same way you see from other elite inside linebackers like, let's say, a Bobby Wagner. Um, But when he was just able to go on a blitz or when he lined up on the edge, you saw those elite traits. So I think getting him with Dan Quinn was such a massive thing. Like, I don't think we would have seen him have the success he had over these first two years if he didn't land with a coach like Dan Quinn, who's going to use him the way he did. And I think now allowing him to just focus on playing off the edge, I think is going to be huge for him. And I think we're going to see him be even more disruptive in a lot of ways, as scary as that sounds. Um, So I, I love that move. Um, and I think it's going to benefit this Cowboys defense big time in the long run.
3: And Micah talked about in order to be more destructive, he wanted to bulk up a little bit this off season, which he clarified. People (laughs) think that means 200 pounds more than he already is, which no, that's not the case. It's about five to seven pounds is is what I'm hearing. So how does that extra weight, although it doesn't sound like a lot to the outside ears, how does that extra weight kind of help him with this transition?
2: Yeah, I mean, you it, just adding that strength. I think you know when you're going to be taking on, you know, taking on left tackles every single play, as opposed to sometimes you know when you're playing in the inside, you get a little bit more free range to run. And and you know we've seen him; he's able to beat blocker, you know, beat blockers to the spot, get into holes pretty much on touch. Now, you know it's going to be hard to go through a play without, without getting touched. So I think just adding a little bit more strength, a little bit more weight is going to help him out there. Um, but still, I think, you know, and that's the key. You want to add weight, add strength without sacrificing any of that speed or mobility, because that's still his biggest asset coming off the edge is just that, that explosiveness.
1: So you've seen working, you know, covering the Kansas City Chiefs, you've seen them win the Super Bowl uh, twice in the past decade, which, of course, the Cowboys have not done in a very long time. And so I know know. I'm I'm just I'm I'm bringing it up. It's a valid point. But I'm asking, you know, you've seen what greatness looks like. You've seen what the Kansas City Chiefs do really well and how to be successful in the league. How close are the Cowboys to the Chiefs? And not saying, you know, like Dak to Patrick Mahomes or anything like that, but just in general, them as a team, where they are. Of course, the NFC, honestly, this year is wide open. When you look at the AFC and the type of quarterbacks that might miss out on the playoffs, I mean, it's really good to be an NFC quarterback or an NFC team in general this year. So where do the Cowboys fit in regards to like maybe getting that Kansas City Chief boost, maybe going into the divisional round, the championship, maybe even Super Bowl this year?
2: Yeah, and I think, um, I think they're closer than people give them credit for. Uh, you know, it's it's funny having these conversations this offseason about who's contending, who's going to make a push. The Cowboys don't get talked about at all because I think there's this perception, you know, this public perception about this team now uh, that they're just going to, you know, I'm sorry, I know there's a lot of scar tissue here, but they're just going to mess it up come playoff time. I think that's just the expectation and you know so people are talking about the Eagles they're talking about the Niners they're talking about the Lions the Seahawks and it's just like it, it, the Cowboys don't even get brought up cuz it's almost like a given with with some people that that they're going to they're just going to mess up no matter how well they do in the regular season they're just not going to get it done um, and I don't think that's totally fair teams rewrite the narrative all the time um i love that they took some swings this offseason to make this team better as you mentioned going out and getting stefan gilmore going out and getting brandon cooks they're going all in to try to make this push right now uh, but i think what really remains to be seen i mean andy Reid um is a first ballot hall of fame head coach yep. and i think that um that's what separates the Chiefs. yes i know they have mahomes um but i don't know that Mahomes is the Mahomes we know without Andy Reid, too. Yeah. As as talented as he is, Andy Reid has gotten the absolute best out of him. Um, and it's his ability to adapt every single year and make the most of his personnel. That flexibility... And that reinvention, like I, I don't think people talk about that enough. When you look at his offenses with the Eagles versus what these offenses with the Chiefs look like, he totally reinvented himself and restructured his offense to fit Mahomes, to fit what he had. And that's something I think that that's been the one thing you can knock Mike McCarthy for over the years. And and where he butted heads with Rodgers is I think Rodgers felt like there wasn't enough flexibility on his standpoint to kind of fit how the raw you know, to adapt to how the roster had changed over the years from that from that Super Bowl that they won. Um, so I think that's gonna be the biggest determining factor here is kind of how this offense evolves now that he's calling the shots, um, and how he tailors it to the personnel he has at his disposal.
3: And something that Mike McCarthy does before every start of the season is he comes up with this theme for his team. Last year it was uh, resilience, and he does this, I think the year before that it was victory. He does this every year. It's kind of a way to just hy- hype up his team, and, and it's it's what they hold on to. I mean, each and every week, day in, day out, they were talking about resilience and, and their comeback. If you had to put a theme a one-word theme on this Cowboys team for the season, what do you think it is? Just historically, with what you've seen through Mike McCarthy's coaching era as it stands right now, the expectations they have going into this season with everything that they've done, what is your one-word theme for the Cowboys? Brandon, I'll have you answer that question, too, because I'm just curious.
2: I think it's just finish like this Hmm. team has come so close so many times, even those playoff games, they lost like those are both winnable games. This is a top five scoring offense last year, top five scoring defense, everything about this team, about this roster. When you look at it, tells you they should be contending. It's about finishing these games and, uh, Again, I I'm am higher on the Cowboys than I think a lot of people are um, because I do see that talent. I think they have all the pieces that you need to be able to contend. As you said, with with the NFC being so wide open, uh, this team there's no reason why this team shouldn't be contending uh, for a Super
1: Bowl this year. So I have two. I have uh, one in, in a jest way is uh, if not now, then when. Uh, you know, it's kind of everything set up, and we've we've talked about it numerous times. The contracts that are expiring uh, for the Cowboys this year. You're not going to be keeping the same team every year, and especially for the Cowboys, they have a lot of moving parts entering next season. Uh, but I think really the one that I would say, and I think the players would buy into it, just be like, okay. You know, like not even just anything to no exclamation point, no question mark, just okay. You know, if people are going to say all negative things about the Cowboys, if people are going to just put us, you know, in a power rankings at, you know, maybe 10, 12. It's like, okay. you know, we we know where we're at right now. Let us show you uh, what what we have this year. Um, I think the players would buy and it doesn't take a lot of characters. You know, you use four characters, maybe a period at the end of it. So you save a little bit of money on that, too. (laughs)
3: you love that you love that but it depends how you spell okay there's different spellings out there you could just do two characters if you need it okay i mean it just it depends but something that um on girls talk boys talk my co-host Haley, she brought up was that a a lot of the conversations this off season you're hearing about the why and Mm. the players understanding what the why is so i'm gonna cheat a little bit i'm gonna give myself two words which is the why and that's because it's important i think for the first time since you know mike mccarthy really started his coaching brain is players are understanding and not just dak prescott i'm talking beyond dak prescott all of your players are understanding the why and i think the defense is so successful because dan quinn has allowed his players micah parsons perfect example to understand the why to where they don't have to worry and question why things are going on they know the why on the offensive side of the ball feel like specifically these last couple of, of years and last year when you were seeing the miscommunications and the misroutes and just the lack of separation to me that that says they didn't know what the why was what's the purpose why am I doing this and you don't always need to know those answers but I think it helps take a, a little bit of a weight off the shoulders so to me I'm going to say the why and and the purpose but the why that is that is my theme for the Cowboys this upcoming season.
2: Uh, No, that's a a great point, Jess, because when you you understand the why, and this is what uh, I try to approach when I'm coaching my kids, like when they understand the why, they're able to execute so much better, and they're thinking about, you know, why are we running our route this way? Why are we doing things this way? And you understand the reasoning behind that. It, it, it helps you be more effective at, at executing. It absolutely does. So I love I, I
1: love that answer. Look at That's that. Great. Jess, yeah, and, Jess yeah, is look, a future coach. That's what we're getting from this, right?
3: Look, if I was the coach, my guys would be listening to Taylor Swift all the time. I don't think they would like that very much, depending on which player it was. And but the coach
2: of the Jets. Yeah. It, oh,
3: <laughs> the Jets blew me away with their answers. Look, obviously, as uh, a Cowboys fan my entire life, Aaron Rodgers has given me a little bit of some ptsd right and and that creates resentment that is just generational for me at this point however (laughs) kind of won me over with those videos from him at the heiress tour i gotta say rooting for him a little bit more when he's not playing the cowboys
2: So it it helps he's out of the conference now, too.
1: Well, yeah, and of course, of course, the first year he's out, of course, they play him, you know, week uh, three, I believe, or week two. So, yeah, of course. Um, And so we've talked about Dak as a player and we talked about how you have the experience of watching somebody like a Patrick Mahomes. And I think the one thing to kind of wrap up this more discussion about the offense in general is is where would you rank Dak among NFL quarterbacks? Because I see him usually maybe 11 to 16, kind of around there. But I think there's an argument to be made that he could be top 10, but certainly in the NFC, top one or two, depending on where you want to put Jalen Hurts and him, you know, vice versa. But – you know, the Cowboys also have to make a decision with him long-term. His cap next year is going to be around $60 million, which is insane. So they have to talk about an extension with him, whether it's this year or the beginning of next year. So they need to decide if he's going to be with them long-term. Do you see that being an answer? Is Dak the answer for the Cowboys for the foreseeable future? And where would he rank in the NFL currently?
2: Yeah, I think he can be. And I'd put him around that that 10 range. Um, but that's that's not a slight to him. It's just, I, you know, he's a very good quarterback. Um, you know, again, having that star on your helmet, you're going to get scrutinized harder than anybody else in the league. Um, but I also think there's this thing, like when they paid him, um, when he became, you know, the face of the franchise officially, um, there's the expectation and pressure that comes with that. And almost like I need to do more thing. I need to put the, the weight of this entire team on my shoulders and I don't think and again, I don't think I don't think it's a slight to say this, but I don't think he's that guy and that's okay. It's about when he's at his best, again, you go back to the offense being structured around the run game, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. It's not him doing those Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers things and just making stuff out of nothing. Although he can do that when he's forced to, you don't want that to be his default, right? Um, It's executing the offense the way it's supposed to be executed and building it off the run game and keeping it really, I would just say the the key for him, I think, is keeping it simple. And, um, you know, I think they can get back to doing some of that now uh, with some of the upgrades that they've made. And, again, I know it sounds like I'm kind of like – taking away from him by saying he's not, but it, but it's just the reality of the situation. Those, those guys, um, Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, they are two of the most special quarterbacks to ever play this game. Um, I think Dak is a very good quarterback. He's not one of those guys, um, but, I think he absolutely can win a Super Bowl. I mean, we saw Matthew Stafford just win a Super Bowl again with the right pieces around him in the right system. And I think Dak is absolutely that caliber of player. It's just playing within himself. And even, I would say this too, even in Patrick Mahomes, you look at um, 2021, there were moments where that offense really sputtered because he was trying to do too much. He was going outside the scheme. He was going outside the system and forcing things at times. And, you know, we saw it in big games where that offense just went completely stagnant, including that AFC championship loss. So even the greats aren't immune to having that happen to them if they if they start putting too much on their shoulders. This year, we saw Mahomes get back to the basics and run the offense the way it's supposed to be run. I think that's where losing Tyreek Hill Actually helped the offense because it was just okay. I'm just throwing to the open man as opposed to force feeding my number one wide receiver. I think there's a lesson to be taken from that with Dak as he approaches this year.
3: I, I think that's a perfect way to put it too. And it's so weird being in the position where Dak is the older quarterback now yeah. because we're just not used to that. I mean, it, it feels like man these these past few years have just flown by. So um, no, that's a a really great point there. And so real quick, before we end things off, I just want to get your story because we talk about these football players and their stories all the time. But what a lot of people don't realize is how hard the road really is to get in this point in your career and all the things you go through and what you have to persevere through. It's a journey of its own and it's not always a pretty journey. So (laughs) Give us a little bit about your background. Did you even think you would be doing everything you're doing now? did What were your goals? Did you want to do this? How did you end up where you are?
2: I, honestly, I, I didn't expect it to get to this point if I'm being honest I, <laughs>
3: so,
2: um, I just kind of started my journey. I'll go back. I was a student coach at Missouri with the quarterbacks uh, with Chase Daniel and uh, the early the Blaine Gabbard's first year there as well. Um, and you know, I thought I was going to go into coaching. I wasn't really sure, you know, I was at graduated. I'm trying to figure out that next step. Wasn't really sure. Um, coached high school for a few years, um, and got the opportunity to go to NFL films. They had a show called playbook that was all X's and O's based and they need somebody, they needed somebody who kind of had an X's and O's background um, to help research and come up with concepts. And then once I got in the door there, I learned the TV side of things. And it's like, okay, I, I'm enjoying this. I like this. Um, took a pit stop to uh, work in the lion scouting department. I thought about going into scouting for a little bit. Um, but ultimately, you know, just not the right timing there. Ended up working my way back into TV. Took the jump to... Uh, launched this new show that NFL Network was starting called Good Morning Football in 2016 and um, was lucky enough that that gamble kind of paid off and, um, you know, I was able to get connected with with Kay Adams, one of the most brilliant hosts and on-air talents in the business right now. And um, yeah, eventually, you know, had to make another tough decision and join her over at, at, at leave Good Morning Football to join her over at FanDuel and I'm so glad I did because, um, you know, she's been fa- so fantastic to work with and, and, you know, the network has been so great and so supportive and it's, it's been so fun to grow something, uh, from the ground up again, from scratch. It's, uh, it really has been enjoyable. And, uh, I, I also acknowledge like I'm extremely lucky just to have been in the right place at the right time <laughs> in a lot of these moments. And, and that's contributed to this and also just having, you know, the right people, um, you know, being lucky enough to get connected with people, um, the right people that have had my back and been so supportive of me.
1: That's one heck of an elevator pitch. I mean, it's 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 awesome to see because I, I was I was telling Matt like I, I I listened to his podcast, the one on the KC Sports Network, and you could see. Where brilliance separates itself for people who actually have a passion for this stuff, and uh, like I said, you break things down really well. So, if anybody wants to go check out your stuff, Matt, where could they follow you? Where could they find you and everything uh, before we wrap up here?
2: Uh, so, I appreciate those kind words. Thank you so much. Um, but you can find uh, you can find me on FanDuel TV uh, or the FanDuel Plus app. Up in Adams with Kay Adams is is our show, um, and it is on at eleven a.m. Eastern. Monday through Friday, Um, we're going to be going on a training camp tour too. Um, Locations TBD, but we're going to be. It's going to be a fun couple of months for us coming up. Um, And you can also find my work on Kansas City Sports Network. I host a show called The Breakdown with Matt Castle Um, that comes out weekly during the NFL season, where we kind of dig into everything Kansas City Chiefs. Break down the film on on every single matchup. Um, So yeah. So or you can find me on Twitter at MattHamilton25.
1: And then, Jess, what well, about you, you, you? What about you?
3: Oh, man. I don't know if anyone wants to see my tweets right now. They're a little sad since <laughs> I saw Taylor Swift wearing Philadelphia Eagles uh, gear. It's at Jessica's <laughs> underscore, and I promise I'm not going to be too depressed about it because I already knew she was an Eagles fan. But just seeing it, just it, it, it's different. You know, saps my heart a little bit. But you can go follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm there. I am there. I may not be active right now but I'm lurking. No, I'm always lurking. Especially if you're hating on Taylor Swift. Bye.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm always around on Twitter. I just like, yeah. I feel like people don't care enough about what I have to say. I'd be one of those people that tweets all the time. Yeah. So I, I kind of just reserve her for when I have something I really want to get out there. Look, well, we
3: care. Yeah. We yeah. care. Yeah. We will like your tweets. <laughs> we'll retweet you. We care. We are here for you. We are the official Matt Band Club over here. <laughs> Brandon, where can the people find you if they want to tweet you? Let's see, what was our random word today? I don't think you said any random word that I could pick on you for today.
1: No, I mean, we, we talked about versatility. You? you know, no, nothing. They can nothing. tweet
3: you okay. Oh, yeah. They oh, can yeah. tweet you okay, yeah, your yeah. theme. There Just, you go. Yeah,
1: okay. The uh,
3: preferred spelling of okay. Yeah, and
1: nothing to do with uh, <laughs> uh, Oklahoma. No, nothing to do with Oklahoma. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be tweet you
3: Oklahoma right now. It's going to be
1: at Brandon is Right, W R I. I T E. So, Matt, once again, thank you so much for jumping on with us today. So, for Jess Navarez, Matt Hamilton, I am Brandon Laurie. Thank you everyone for joining us on the latest edition of the Writer's Block Podcast. And always remember, like we always talk about, go cowboys.